0: You could call it the David Syndrome, named after David, the second king of Israel. It's what Jesus is talking about in our Gospel reading today from Luke 6, in that section where he says, Why do you notice the splinter in your brother's eye? Do not perceive the wooden beam, in other words, the plank, in your own. How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me remove that splinter in your eye, and you do not even notice the plank in your own eye? As I said, this syndrome, this disorder, is named for King David because this is precisely what he was like, where he was at, after he sinned with Bathsheba. Most of us know the story, but for the few who may not, the Bible tells us that David was out for a stroll one evening on his rooftop veranda, and he happened to spy a young woman bathing off in the distance. So he invited her over to his place. The little coffee and. Not surprisingly, it was the and that got him into big trouble. One thing led to another, as the old saying goes, and the woman named Bathsheba ended up pregnant. Now, David could have repented at that moment and ended things right there, but instead he made the fateful decision to take matters into his own hands and to try to conceal his sin called Bathsheba's husband Uriah the Hittite home from battle, where he was fighting, and tried to get him to go home. He wanted Uriah to sleep with his wife and thus to think that he was the father of the child. But Uriah refused to go. And it was right that he did that, because at the time the nation was at war and Uriah was a good soldier, a faithful soldier, a loyal soldier. Good soldiers in Israel were not supposed to go home to their families when a war was going on. So David then made the arrangement to have Uriah killed. He instructed the leader of his army, Joab, to put Uriah on the front lines of the battle and then to pull back from him at a certain point so that Uriah would be exposed to enemy attack, a sitting duck, so to speak. Well, unfortunately, Joab did what the king commanded him to do, did what David wanted, And Uriah was, indeed, killed. So there was David, guilty of two deadly sins, what we would call today, mortal sins. And yet, the amazing thing is, he felt absolutely, positively, no guilt whatsoever about any of it. For him, life was great. He had a new wife, because he ended up marrying Bathsheba after Uriah was killed. He had a new son. And in his kingdom, it was business as usual. Until he was presented with a problem. A problem that supposedly involved somebody else. The prophet Nathan, inspired by the Spirit, came to David one day and said, David, look, I need your help here. I'm trying to figure out how to judge this particular case. There were two men in a certain town. One was really, really rich. The other was really, really poor. The rich man had lots and lots of herds and flocks, too numerous to count, whereas the poor guy, well, he had just one little lamb. He bought it with the little money that he had. But he loved the lamb. So did his children. It was part of their family. That is, until the day the rich man stole the lamb from the poor man and his family and cooked it up as a meal for one of his house guests. Now, he could have taken one of his own lambs to feed his friend. He had thousands to choose from. But he didn't do that. What do you think about that man, David? What's your opinion? The Bible tells us that David became livid. He said, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. He should be executed. Nathan said, well, that's very interesting, David, because you're that man. That was the moment when David realized he had a plank sticking in his eye. And a pretty big one at that. It was also the moment when he began to remove the plank. Thankfully, it didn't take long for David to admit his sin to Nathan. In fact, the very first words out of David's mouth after Nathan confronted him were the words, I have sinned against the Lord. And later on, David was to express his repentance In the 51st Psalm, when he wrote the words, Have mercy on me, O God, in your kindness, and your compassion blot out my offense, or wash me more and more from my guilt, and cleanse me from my sin. Hopefully it's now clear. The David Syndrome is the tendency we all have to see the sins of other people more clearly than we see our own. David saw the the sin of the rich man in Nathan's story very clearly. He had no problem seeing that, but he was blind to his own sins. Reminds me of the little story I read this past week in a commentary on these readings we just heard. Some of you probably have heard this story before. It's about four monks, four monks who had taken a vow of silence. All four of them were walking down the road one day and One of them stubbed his toe on a rock. He said, Ow! The second turned to him and said, You idiot, you broke your vow of silence. The third one said to the second, Well, you're a bigger idiot than he is. You broke your vow of silence and telling him that he broke his vow of silence. The fourth one just smiled and said, I'm the only one who didn't. (laughs) Here we have four men, each of whom saw the faults of the other three more clearly than he saw his own. That's fallen human nature, my friends. That's the David Syndrome. I think it's providential that we have this particular Gospel reading on the Sunday before Lent begins. Yes, believe it or not, Lent begins this week, Ash Wednesday is this coming Wednesday. Lent is a time of year when we should focus in a special way on the planks, and the planks that might be in our own eyes, planks that we, like David, tend not to be aware of, or that we may tend to ignore. Now that requires some honesty, that requires some introspection, requires some soul-searching, which in Catholic terms is commonly referred to as an examination of conscience. Examining our consciences is actually something we should get in the habit of doing every single day of the year. If David had examined his conscience after he committed adultery with Bathsheba, perhaps he would not have added murder to the list of serious sins that he needed to repent of. Ordinarily, planks are removed for us in the Sacrament of Reconciliation, even big planks like David's. Hopefully we will all make the effort to get to confession at least once during the upcoming Lenten season. You'll notice, by the way, in the bulletin, Father Najim has added a few more confession times during the weeks of Lent to make it more convenient for you to get there. All that having been said, my simple prayer for all of you today is that this year you will have not only a happy Easter, but even more importantly, a plank-free Easter.